well, it's going to be a good Christmas season, and I'm excited about today. Uh, today is He Shall Be Called Wonderful Counselor. You can go ahead and open your Bible or your, your smartphone, your app to uh, Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9. Uh, while you're turning, I, I just wanted to... Uh, we're, we're going to be looking at this whole idea of one wonderful counselor, and I was thinking, uh, have, you, have you heard about the counseling center that had an automated telephone answering system? Uh, any of you ever been involved in a counseling situation? A few of you. When you call into this, this counseling place, they say something like, uh, thank you for calling Sunnyside Counseling Center. If you are obsessive compulsive, please press 1 over and over and over. If you are codependent, please ask someone to press 2 for you. If you have multiple personalities, please press 3, 4, and 5. If you're par- paranoid, don't press anything. Just stay on the line. We're tracing your call. <laughs> and the last one is kind of sick. It says, if you suffer from low self-esteem, just hang up. We don't have time to talk with you anyway. <laughs> That's funny. I don't care who you are. That's funny. Okay. Well, we're going to be reading out of Isaiah uh, chapter 9 today, verses 2 through 7. I'm reading out of the ESV, which is pretty close to the NKJV, which is pretty close to the NASB and STP and GOGO. Anyway, it's, it's a good, solid uh, translation. Somebody's laughing. Who's laughing at me today? The people, my wife is not laughing at me today. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shone. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with the joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the the staff for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. Let me pause right there because you never would have guessed what is coming next, right? That sounds so harsh and so odd, but it is a a prophecy given in the Old Testament about the Messiah coming to change everything for the good. And then it goes on and says, for unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. We are assured, you and I are assured as we walk in our faith walk, in our Christ walk, that God has everything under control and we're good. Can you just say praise the Lord for that? The world world is, is trembling because of fear, but you and I, we don't have to have fear because God has us in the palm of his hands. 
Praise God for that. That's, that's an amazing thing. That's why, it's one of the reasons I follow Jesus is because of the peace that comes into my heart. When I can lay my head down at night and know that no matter what, I'm good. I'm good. It's all okay. So I thank God for that today, don't you? Amen. There are many wonderful names for the Lord Jesus Christ, and one of the most pleasant names is the one we're going to look at this morning for a little while, and that name is Wonderful Counselor. It's not just wonderful. He is wonderful, and it's not just Counselor. He is our Counselor, but He's the Wonderful Counselor. And, and I think this is a description that can only be given to Jesus. I, I, you know, I've known a lot of counselors in my day, and some of, them, some of them are pretty good. Some of them are okay. I don't know any of them that I would call my wonderful counselor, but Jesus Christ is our wonderful counselor. The Hebrew word for wonderful indicates something uncommon or out of the ordinary, that which is separated from normal or the normal course of events. Something that cannot be explained. In our world, uh, of course, we use the word wonderful in a, in a lot different way. It's kind of like, hey, you want to come get your car? Your car's ready at the shop. Wonderful, right? Or your Amazon delivery is going to be here tomorrow in 24 hours. Wonderful. And, and we kind of use it kind of flippantly like that. But the word wonderful is actually talking about something that is beyond normal, something beyond belief, something beyond the regular way things work in, in the world. Um, in this writing, this prophecy in Isaiah is speaking of something that is out of the ordinary. And so when they, he speaks of the wonderful counselor, he's speaking of someone who is out of the ordinary. And that, that is so much like Jesus Christ our Lord, isn't it? If you want to talk about Jesus, you can, you can give him a lot of uh, descriptions. You can say he's, he's wonderful, he's kind, he's gentle, he's long-suffering, he's patient, he's, he's, he's all these things. But today, would you agree with me that Jesus Christ is our wonderful counselor today? Amen. He's wonderful in, in his history. In history, he, you know, Jesus was in the beginning when it, when it was all started. He was there in the very beginning. Uh, and all of history revolves around Jesus. If you say it's uh, 1,000 B.C., you know what you're saying? It's 1,000 years before Christ. <laughs> well, if you say, well, it's 1900 A.D., what are you saying? It's 100 years or 1900 years after the death. Of Christ. Now, I would have to warn you of this. Uh, a lot of more liberal uh, thinkers are trying to change that into, into not being B.C. and A.D. I think it's C.C. now, isn't it? Is that what's happening? Yeah. So it, it's changing, but nevertheless, what they're shaping all of this around, and all of our history has been shaped around is the life of Jesus Christ. Pretty amazing stuff, isn't it? So he's wonderful in his history. He was wonder, wonderful, and he is wonderful in prophecy as well. Did you know every Old Testament book has reference to Jesus Christ? Not in the words, Jesus Christ, but in the person and in the Savior, the Word, the Lord, Jesus Christ. For, for instance, in the book of Genesis, when, when the Scripture talks about the seed of woman, coming and one day crushing the 
crushing Satan, bruising man's heel and crushing Satan, you know who that's talking about? It's talking about Jesus Christ coming to earth. In the book of Exodus, when we read about the Passover lamb being offered up for the nation of Israel and all of the sins of the people, you know who the Passover lamb really is? Jesus Christ. So that reference is, is there. In, in Leviticus, when we read about the, the great high priest who makes the perfect sacrifice for sin, well, they had the great high priest, but you know, he was foreshadowing. He was pointing toward the real great high priest who is Jesus Christ. So he was wonderful in history. He's wonderful in prophecy. Jesus is wonderful in his birth. It was no common birth, was it? No common birth. Jesus Christ was was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Jesus Christ was born from a, of a virgin. Jesus Christ was the only one who lived a sinless life of all humanity. There was one, and that was Jesus Christ. So he was wonderful in his life. Everywhere he went, he blessed people. He didn't have bad days. Everywhere he went, he loved people. Everywhere he, he may have had challenging days because living in this life with this skin and these bones, they're going to they're gonna age and, and have some problems. But Jesus blessed people everywhere he went. Jesus is also wonderful in his death. You know, the, the picture of Jesus on the cross, the picture of Jesus being removed from the cross the picture of Jesus being carried to the tomb, the picture of Jesus laying in the tomb, his body laying in the tomb, the picture of the stone rolled away, and the picture of Jesus standing before Mary in the garden, the picture of Jesus appearing to the saints and appearing to the disciples, the picture of Jesus going back up and ascending into heaven and standing at the right hand or sitting at the right hand of the Father. You see, that was no normal death. That was supernatural death. And so he was wonderful, not only in his, in his prophet, prophecy or in the Old Testament, he was not only wonderful in his life, he was not only wonderful in, in, in his birth, he was wonderful and is wonderful in, in who he is today, even in his death. The second part of the, the description of Jesus that we're going to touch on is counselor, counselor. Now, we, when we think of counselors, we think of maybe a, a, a cozy little room with a couch, right? Most of us have been there. So, uh, or we think about marriage counseling or premarital counseling, things like that. But in this text, uh, in the Hebrew, the Scripture is talking about a picture of a king sitting on his throne and his people coming through, and he gives them wise counsel. See, they didn't have to worry about all of life. They had a king to worry about for them. They didn't have to worry where their, all their food was going to come, up, come from. They had a king who was going to do that. And so this picture of the wonderful counselor is, is a, a picture of a king in those days who was a good king, a wise king, a solid king, a loving king, a king who cared. Do you know what? We have that same kind of king today in Jesus Christ. He is our wonderful counselor. A counselor needs to be a good listener. Uh, a counselor is much more than that. Uh, some counselors are good listeners. Some counselors are good encouragers. Some counselors are good advice givers. But as we examine this, this idea of the wonderful counselor, again, I don't know of anybody that I would call wonderful counselor other than Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is our wonderful counselor. He's precious, and he's full of wonder. 
He knows your situation. See, a counselor, when you come in, he's got to ask you, well, tell me, tell me about how you felt about your, your, your mom. <laughs> tell me how you, how you were raised. What are some of the struggles you went through? You know, they have to get that to find out what's going on. But when we come to our wonderful counselor, he already knows all of that. He knows the difficulty that you're living in. He understands the physical problems you've got. He knows the mental, your mental capacity. He knows your mental struggle. He knows your emotional struggle. He's already there. He's already been there. He knows you. So that's why he's, he's wonderful as well. He's precious. He cries when we cry. He smiles over us when we succeed. Aren't you glad that you have a God and a Lord and a counselor who empathizes with you. And you know how he can do that? Because he knows what it feels like. He knows what it feels like. The Bible says he is our high priest who knows about our feelings and our infirmities. He was tempted in every way just like us and yet was without sin. He can understand you because he was you. He was human. He was all God, yes, but he was all man as well. And as we experience this time of the year, I want us to understand that it's more than the baby being born and laid in the manger. It's more than gift giving. It's more. It's about celebrating the fact that we have a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful counselor. Jesus Christ. Amen. Later on in, in Isaiah, in chapter 11, the author speaks of Jesus again. And catch these words. These are beautiful words. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Talking about the Messiah, Jesus Christ. The Spirit of wisdom and understanding. The Spirit of counsel and might. The spirit of knowledge and of the fear of the Lord. These are, are, are statements of description about the awesomeness of God and the amazingness, the wonder of Jesus Christ. You see, the wisdom of God is so far above and removed from our wisdom. That's why he is holy. It's because he's separated. He, he's he's so, far, so far beyond us, he's said to be holy. And as I mentioned last week, I don't know one person who can see around a corner. And I don't know one person who knows what will happen in the next hour or 30 minutes or 15 minutes. Not one of us can do that, right? It's just, it's just not there. Yet God has the, the days of our lives numbered. Do you hear, you hear that? God knows every day that you live. And God knows when you'll live your last day. God has it all out there. He understands it. He knew us before we were born, and he planned the way for us to live. I'm going to read a, a passage of Scripture out of Psalm 139. I, I would like you to join me if you can. It's just such a, an amazing passage of Scripture about the goodness and the knowledge and the wisdom of God. Uh, again, I'm reading it out of ESV, and it goes like this. And it, it may take us five minutes to read it, so just hang in there with me. O oh Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. 
You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. Where shall I go from your spirit, or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend up into heaven, you're there. If I make my bed in the earth, in Sheol, you're there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. If I say, surely the darkness shall cover me, and the light about me will be night, even the darkness is not dark to you. The night is bright as the day, for darkness is as light with you. For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was, there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. If I would count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. And I'll stop right there. Isn't that an amazing passage of Scripture that, that tells us about the greatness and the awesomeness of, of God? I especially like the way God works through seasons. And I'm amazed at this very, very special blessing of seasons that God gives us. My, my favorite season, uh, I have two of them, is late, uh, late summer and early fall. Is that the same thing? Maybe. Uh, it, it's when the weather is not quite so hot. It's when you, when you go on the golf course, you don't sweat as much. And uh, I, I love that part of the season. Um, he said, did you know he set up all creation to go through seasons? In the spring, we plant, right? In the summer, we cultivate and we prune. In the fall, we harvest. In the winter, we rest. And have you noticed how your life works in seasons as well? All of us, all of you, are in various seasons of your life. Some of you are in the season of learning. You know, I look at Samantha down here, and she said she's in college. She's in that season of learning. And then I, I see Jim Lockery back here. He, he's in a season of, of getting older. <laughs> um, some of you are in a season of correction and discipline where you've made mistakes, and now you're learning from your mistakes, and you're having to go through the correction part of it, right? We, we're all in different times in our, in our lives. Some of us are in a season of, of personal growth. 
Some of us are in a season of gathering and, and prosperity, and, and some of us are in a season of loss and learning to live with loss. In Ecclesiastes chapter 3, the Bible says, to everything there is a season, right? A season. And the important part for you and me is, and the trick is, to be able to recognize your season. Because every season always feels like it's going to last forever, doesn't it? I, I remember one of my seasons, I, I remember as a teenager, I was a senior in high school, and I remember standing at my chest of drawers, and, and there was a, a picture of Anita right there. And, that, and, uh, and, I, and I remember standing there thinking, life is too slow. I am never going to even get to go to college. Okay, I was 17 years old. And then it went boom, and it was, it was gone. It was a season <clears throat> that I was in. In my earliest memories, I, I remember watching my dad's uh, car. We, we were living up on a hill, and I was looking down. You could see out the window, and I could see the cars on the highway. And I remember at the age of about four, watching for my dad's car to come passing by because I knew my dad was coming home. In those days, I hung on my mom's skirt. It was everywhere, at home, at church, wherever it was. I was the one, wherever my mom would walk around and say in the church, I would be hanging onto her clothes, on her, her skirt. I would be the one to be kissing on her hand, and I would be the one to be hugging on her. That was just the way it was. You see, that was one of my early seasons. That was just a season. Later, I grew and I learned how to play big boy games. My dad and I spent hours throwing the ball up in the air, kicking, kicking football. And, and during that season, at one time, I got hit in the nose with a baseball, right? I mean, I was on deck, you know, getting ready to go up to the plate, and this kid was up here, the coach's son, and he, he was left-handed, and he hit the ball, and it went, and it hit me right here. That hurt. Yeah, I, I mean, I fell immediately. Blood was flowing everywhere. They took me to the emergency room, and they had to take a little a metal rod about this long and put it up my nose, and then it went pop. Isn't that fun? <laughs> Brings joy to my soul. But I learned how to play with others, and I learned how to be challenged, and it, but it was a season, right? And as I became a man, I cared less about scoring points in games, and I cared more about scoring points with girls, you know? I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted to be seen a certain way. I started polishing my shoes. At that point, I remember meeting Anita, and um, I was 14 years old, and, and I, I met her this one day, and then I, we were at home, and we were coming back for a, a different night, and we were going to be together, and out of nowhere, I polished my shoes, and my parents are looking at me like, who are you? I, I didn't tell them anything, but I polished my shoes because I was going back to see her. It was a season that I was in, you know? Um, then married and in college, I grew a beard and had longish hair. <laughs> it was red. My beard was red. My hair was dark brown, but my beard was red. And, and today, if I grew a beard, you wouldn't see any red. You'd see gray. But I, but I uh, grew a beard. I did some things that I wish I hadn't done in those days. I learned what it meant to be selfish and irresponsible. And then I also learned what it meant to reap what you sow. 
It was, it was a tough learning time, but it was a season. Uh, and are you identifying with any of this? Some of you are having to go through seasons where you're having to learn some stuff. And you're going to learn some good stuff because God is faithful. God wants you to grow through this kind of thing. What I realized in those days was nothing in this life is permanent. I, I tell young people this all the time. And if you could get this, this would change your life. Nothing in this life is permanent. Nothing in this life lasts very long. 17 years old, standing at the chest of drawers, thinking I'll never go anywhere, never get to do anything. And now here I am, about to turn 65. I signed up for Medicare last week. Can you believe that? I couldn't. I remember coming home to my wife, and there were two, my wife and two beautiful little kids. They didn't just appear, they were mine, but... I had life by the tail, and life was pretty amazing in those days. I would go to work, I would check eyes, and Anita would take the kids to Daytona or the wave pool. That was, that was our deal. We bandaged skint knees and scuffed feet, and we put medicine on sore spots. But even that was short-lived. The kids grew up. It was a season. The season changed. Together, Anita and I pursued the kingdom of God with everything we had within us. We started a church in our home. Boy, that's a tough thing. If you've ever, never done that, I, I would not recommend it. <laughs> I started a church in my home. Uh, we grew it and handed it off to another person to attend, another shepherd. We moved away and we shepherded more people and another group of people, knowing that what we were doing there would only last for a season as well. And God called us to move from that to foreign soil. Can you believe that? God took us from that comfortable place and he put a vision in us to live and to serve in a foreign country. And for mo most of you already know it, it, it was Russia. And we lived downtown Moscow. It was an unbelievable time of our lives. Craig and Kristen were 11 and 13. We were in our early 20s. Um, or, or thereabouts. As, as one guy told me, he said, it's true. Or it could have been true. You know? but, but we experienced some amazing things. Um, but do you remember your seasons? Your season of learning? Your season of, of growing up, um, your season of doing something unusual. When we were in Russia, we had a, a free clinic. We, we gave away thousands of Bibles. We got to chum with men and women who had spent years in prison because they were Christians for their faith. We started, we, we pastored, I, we, I pastored, Nina and I pastored the first ever church of God in Russia. Isn't that interesting? What a cool thing that was. I got to establish a Monday meeting for young pastors, and they would come into there, and we, I would pastor these young pastors. So it was, it was really great. In another place, we went through 
a season of personal growth, a time of change. We started training small groups. We started learning more about discipleship, and it was an awesome time. But it was only for a season because God brought us to Fernandina Beach after that. And it was a, a, a very special thing. A little more than 14 years ago, we began one of the most joyful, one of the most amazing, one of the most challenging times of our lives, one of the most challenging seasons of our lives. But we knew that pastoring in Fernandina was a season. Nothing, remember, nothing in this life is permanent. And we were right. Our season is coming to an end here at Christ Walk. I wanted to share that with you that way because what I'm experiencing is a joy of knowing that God has me and my wife and my family in his hands. No matter if we're in Russia or in the boot hill of Missouri or in Fernandina Beach, Florida, God has us right in the palm of his hand. And I, and I love that. So um, we've all seen the Olympic torch thing on TV, right? Where they would run for a while and hand the torch off to somebody else. And, and we understand the significance of all that and the beauty. We can't run that race alone. We can't do these things by ourselves because the road is, is just too long. We were handed, almost 15 years ago, we were handed a torch from people who had run the race in a hard way, a tough way, a difficult time. We were handed a torch, and the people before them were handed a torch. And the people before them were handed a torch. And as you can tell, I'm, I'm, I'm getting to a, a place of decision, and I'm, I'm going to bring you along with me. But we were handed a torch almost 15 years ago, and Christ Walk has been the flame of our life for these years. It is our heartthrob. It is our love. It's what we've lived for. It's what we've worked for. It's the place God has placed us to work in the kingdom for this season. But it's time for someone else to share in the responsibility and in the load and in the joys for us and for this church. It's a new season. It's a new time. Um, I'm going to ask my wife to come up here uh, for just a moment. And uh, if, if, you, if you understand, uh, I don't know how to phrase this, how many of you would have followed your spouse to Russia with an 11-year-old and a 13-year-old? Many of you would. If, if you knew it was God, if you knew it was God doing that, you, you, would, you would do it as well. But Anina and I have uh, been through uh, almost 15 years of days of joy and days of hurt and days of tears and days of laughter. We have seen this place transformed from what was, I, I describe it as a little low-slung old country red brick church. Um, in a little country setting. Did, did you know that this used to be all country around us? Some of you, if you're not from this area, you can't imagine it. But it was all woods out there and all woods out here and all woods this way and all woods this way. And there was one little place here where this building was and this location was. 
and it's all transformed. Anita and I came here, and we asked ourselves the question, if we go there and we pastor, are we going to be willing to go through the change that will be necessary because of society and because of the world? And we answered yes. We did not know what it would mean because it was extremely painful. But what God has done, he has taken a little country church and he's taken it out of the country and he's put it into an urban place. This island is no longer little country Fernandina Beach, is it? And if we had not changed, we would not be able to reach some of the people that we're going to be able to reach because of the change. Uh, I've got notes and I'm trying to stay pretty close to them. Um, we will enjoy the holidays with you, and then we will help get the church started off on the right track in January. Our last Sunday with you is going to be February the 4th. It gives us about six weeks to love on you, for you to love on us, to be together, to share. Uh, but we're excited. We're, we, what we're doing today and what the phase that we're going through is really, really interesting. We're, we're full of joy. Um, this next year, when it's going to fly by, and I'm going to turn 66, and I'm going to retire. Now, I've got some time between now and then to do something, and I'm going to share with you part of it because it's so unusual. Anita and I are going to be separated somewhat. I'm going to be living on an Indian reservation for the next year. Okay, let me tell you what that's all about. I'm taking a government job to be an eye doctor either on the Navajo Reservation or the Moapo Reservation. I'm going to be working a job there. I'll be flying back and forth uh, a lot. She's going to come out and be with me as much as she can do it. Part, other parts of my family are going to do the same thing. But it's an opportunity to be a missionary one more time. Most of the people there are in poverty. 40 to 50% of those Indian people are in poverty. And they can't get people to come there and care for them. And I'm going to take the opportunity to do that. It also is going to give us the opportunity to save up some money to put on our house whenever we do that. Uh, I was asked the question, well, are you, what are you going to do? Are you going to leave? Our intention is to, to move to South Carolina and to retire near the lakes uh, and the mountains. That, that's, that's our plan. Now, God knows the best, and God knows what we have to go through. Um, but that's kind of the plan. And, and I'm willing and, and, and eager to talk to you if you have questions about it at all. But I want to ask uh, Pastor Blake and his, his wife, Sarah, to join us on the stage this morning. As we begin to sort through, come on up here, honey. As we begin to sort through our feelings and what God was doing in our lives, um, God began opening doors and putting people in our lives that were very, very special. Um, we began to share with the elders of the church. I'll never forget the night that our elders and the wives came to our house in our living room and we shared what was going on in our lives and we prayed together. 
And the, and the Spirit of God was so strong and so powerful that it affected everything for the next six months. Um, but we began to share our life with our elders, uh, and then we began to share with the council. And, and at the time, I said, guys, I really have to have help. I can't continue to go on. This was back in March, April. And so God placed this couple and their family in our sights. Uh, but you don't understand exactly how that works out. Pastor Blake's daddy, his name is Terry. Terry and I grew up together in Winchester, Kentucky. My dad pastored a church. His, his dad's family was in that church. And we grew up together. And now, after all this time, God is bringing this guy and his wife and his beautiful children into our lives for such a time as this. And I say that because I want you to know God has this thing in his hand. You know, I, what, I, what I did not want to go through and what I did not want you to experience as a church is for your pastor to get up one Sunday and say, oh, well, God's called me somewhere else. I'm about to leave and then be gone in a week or two. And then somebody comes in and a state official comes by and they say, well, we're going to search for another pastor. And then you're left hanging, not knowing what to do. God brought this couple, this family into our lives in order for us to pass that torch on to the younger generation. Amen? This morning, I, I want to ask you if, if you would join us uh, in, in loving the vision. The vision is not changing. The vision is moving forward. If you will join with us in prayer and in support and, and giving an, an open heart, in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to stand and say, I, I want to be a part of that. I want to support that. I want to, I want to say yes with my life. But I want to ask you to do this, and one of the greatest compliments you could ever give to us is to continue to be faithful to the church. You know, there's going to be changes, and, and, and since we've been here, <laughs> Kathy, it's been 14 years of change, hasn't it? And it's going to continue to change. Sometimes we can get something in our mind that it's going to be this way, and when God changes it, it throws us. But nothing would be better for us, more complimentary to us, than for you to stay steady, be, be faithful, continue to serve, continue to love, and give this family a chance to do what God has called them to do. Uh, these guys are excellent people, excellent leaders. Now, granted, they don't have the gray stuff like I do and like Anita has. They will. <laughs> and, and being a pastor takes seasoning. You know what I mean by that? Having to go through the, some hard knocks, having to go through decisions, having to go through preaching over and over and over. You know, I, I think it's funny because um, evangelists and and church leaders, they'll go from this church to that church and they'll preach a sermon. They have about five really good sermons. But a pastor has to come up with a new one every week. And so it takes that kind of work and that kind of experience. But my heart is sold. I'm 100% convinced that what God is doing in our lives includes this, this family right here. And I want to encourage you uh, to be a part of it as well. Uh, I'm gonna, we're going to be available after service out front. We're going to shake your hand and greet you. But I want you to know this is something that we're doing together. 
He's, he has gotten my, great, my blessings. Uh, I handpicked this family. And uh, it's because I love Christ Walk so much. I want you to join us in that. And if you'll be willing to support and to, to go with us and to move through our future, would you stand and show that this morning?